I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think it's important. I think beating Indiana is, is, is the number one goal, but it's really important for this football team just to get some confidence that they can that they can start something and finish it. And that's our goal, to beat Indiana. I feel like it's relatively easy to block it all out as long as you just stay off social media. Social media, a lot of the time, that's where everything is involving, you know, coaches' changes and people really on the outside just saying stuff that and we'll know internally, like, it's nothing like that going on, so. I can follow through with that. Mickey, he's kind of getting a different feel at practice and stuff, and kind of a different vibe going around, and practice kind of switched up a little bit, and, you know, I can I can see that. It's definitely a reset for us, and, you know, we're every week we're thinking, you know, we're going 1-0 that week, you know, 0-0 going into the game, and it's just beat the team in front of us. Hello here, and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Stephen Sipple joining you here today as – uh, Nebraska getting ready for Indiana homecoming 630. Um, and let me tell you, it, it's been quite a ride to get to homecoming for Nebraska. And uh, they had a bye week to get to this point after they fired Eric Chenander before the, um, after the Oklahoma game. And then the week before that, we know head coach Scott Frost was fired. So there's been a lot that's happened um, over these last two weeks. I think the bye week's been good for everybody. It's allowed Mickey Joseph to kind of just recalibrate, reset. It's allowed Bill Bush an additional week um, to kind of figure things out. Um, and simple, you can correct me on this. Does Bill Bush ever call the game outright on his own on oh, defense? Don't do this to me, Sean. Why would you? I, he was I the, always, he was the DC Utah, t- Utah, Co, Utah State. Co, I, Wasn't Dave Aranda there with him, though? Uh, now we're doing one of my pet okay. peeves. Okay, right I'm now. sorry. We're, we're already out of the sheets, bad. But, but it's my. I mean, I don't know if he's so. If he's ever called a defense in outright, the game, outright, outright. That's a, a good question. So I mean, you need it. I mean, just giving that to him with Oklahoma would have been hard. And yeah, I, I'm of the camp. I believe that this, the decision on Shenander was made probably after Georgia's the Georgia Southern game, and they kind of let things go one more you week. Think so? I I do. I, I I think that game alone was enough for them to know they were probably going in a different direction on top of what had happened before that. Oh, yeah. I'm not – I don't think you're wrong. I wonder. I mean, we don't know. We've never heard that. They're never going to say for sure. But Trev's answer when I asked him, has anybody else been relieved of their duty after Frost, he kind of stumbled a little bit. And he goes, I'm going to let Coach Joseph handle that okay. from here. Okay. And it makes sense because it would have been extremely difficult to put a new defensive system in on Oklahoma week. This week made more sense with the bye, with Indiana. Indiana, I'm not saying it's a bad team. Uh, I don't want to be on the bulletin boards um, for Indiana going into this game. Oh, they're not. They're all right. They're three and one. They're a much better team right now than Nebraska is record-wise. Um, but at least you have an extra week to kind of get this figured out. What do you got, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I think the consensus from – head coach, interim head coach, interim defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, down through the players that we've talked to is that bye week couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, Just for, one, to be able to take a step back and get everything figured out with your staff, but two, I think for the player's standpoint, to just 
be able to collect themselves. They got three days off, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and guys went back home, spent time with their families, and just got away from football a little bit. With as tumultuous as these first this first month of the season has been, I think that was invaluable just for these guys' just mental state to be able to step away, let the dust settle, and come back kind of refreshed and uh, regrouped to, you know, approach basically a clean slate now with an entirely new uh, philosophy um, on defense. But I will say that one of the things that Bill Bush said today was this isn't going to be some overhaul that they're doing. Obviously, the timing makes it difficult, but he said just from a term- terminology standpoint, he went and learned everything that they were using as far as uh, the verbiage for defensive calls and all that stuff. And they're going to keep that as much the same as possible. And they want to simplify all the things that they do as much as possible to make this transition as easy as possible. So there's a lot of new, but they're trying to keep as much as possible the same as they can. Yeah, you don't want to make it too simple. He said that. I mean, if you make it too simple, you get predictable. Yeah, you get shredded. Um, You're getting shredded right now, though, trying to make it complicated. That's true. I I mean – yeah, we say simple, or sorry, simple. Yeah. It means, uh, you know, getting guys comfortable enough in what they're doing to get to be set, lined up, to get their feet, get right. their feet set. Yeah, I mean, so that's what Bill's simple. It's eyes. not like we're just running the same base defense right. every single play. Right. They're just trying to make the calls pre-snap as easy to comprehend and process as possible. Yeah, because get guys where they're supposed to be. Yeah, we're talking. Oh yeah, and we gotta figure out that if Bill's ever. So on his bio, he's listed as the outright defensive coordinator at Utah State from 2009 to 10. There's no co by his name. Yeah, but wasn't Aranda there with with Gary Anderson? Well, he was moved to special teams coordinator in 11, 12. Okay, so maybe that's when that was. But from 2009 to 2010, on his Huskers.com bio, he's listed as the outright defensive coordinator. Where every other stop, where it's a DC, it has co by it. Okay, thank you, Robin. Yeah, so we got that figured out, Sean. Dave Aranda was the D.C. at Utah State in 2012. Yep. Okay. So there you. you go. God dang, I didn't know Aranda was at Utah State. Yeah, that's where they that's where they met. Then they all went to Wisconsin together with Gary Anderson. Okay, that mm-hmm. makes sense. And Robin ranked Dave Aranda um, higher than John Papuchis in those ranking the Big Ten coordinator series we used to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. he, got a bad, he got a bad phone call from John Papuchis. <laughs> did not go over well. I think, Rob, right? I think Robin's now right on that argument. Yeah, John's think, a great coach, by the way. At right. that point, I think we decided to stop ranking coaches because it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it did yeah. not go well. It got yeah, a little that can, insensitive. That can cause some political <laughs> issues. <laughs> Lesson learned. Yeah. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're talking Nebraska, Indiana. Indiana coming here just for the second time since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten Conference, uh, but they have played in Lincoln before. Uh, Gary Saddlemeyer our, our, from our KFAB affiliate shared with me a great nugget, and Gary I know is listening because he always listens to the Husker Online Show. Saturday will be the 45th anniversary to the day when I Am Hip went for 254 yards against Indiana. Mm. Ooh, really? I Am Hip. How about that? Yeah, that's, thank you, Gary Saddlemeyer, for that nugget. By the way, yeah, that's that's excellent. I am hip, one of the best walk-ons to ever play for Nebraska, from South Carolina. They could use a couple high hips right now, but yeah. they—I mean, they've got what? Oh, I mean, they got, you know what? They got they got some good running backs, Nebraska. They do. Indiana. They don't have an I am hip though. They don't. I don't think Grant's I am hip. But this is one of those games Saturday where just—I mean—they've played so little since Nebraska's joined the Big Ten. That it doesn't even feel twice, like a Big right? Ten. It doesn't even Only feel like ever? a Big Ten. Yeah, twice. I just said that. Oh, yeah. they played in um, um, two thousand uh, <laughs> two thousand nineteen and two thousand um, sixteen. Okay, 
I I don't know. I mean, it feels a little Big Ten to me. Yeah, but I mean, there's a you know, this is like the twelfth year of the Big Ten for Nebraska. They've mm-hmm. only played. This will be their third meeting. Okay, I, I kind of like that. I mean, in a way, I like that. I, and I, and you know what? I don't I don't feel. I think Indiana's pretty good. I, the, statistically, they're not. But I watched them beat Illinois, and I thought they were pretty good. Their defense has not held up well. They're 109th nationally in yeah, total their, their defense. Their defense is really bad. It's hard to defend them statistically. But the, the eye, when you, when you see them, they don't look that bad. Rob, now listen, Cincinnati got them 38-10 to 10 at halftime, and it was – you got to put everything in the context of 38 to 10 at halftime. But Cincinnati ran 32 plays in the second half. Cincinnati only got 86 yards. No. They couldn't run the ball. Cincinnati could not run the ball in Indiana. They ran 30 times for 40 yards. Now, I get it. Ben Bryant threw it all over the yard. But it was striking to me that since he couldn't run on them, all they I know, run on when you look at the defensive statistics, and sure that they have the one one outlier there with Cincinnati, there's only one team worse defensively in the Big Ten than Indiana. It's Nebraska. Now, can you run, though, 80 to 100 plays a game and statistically be good on defense? Yeah. I think that's kind of I mean, hard to do. They ran 104 against Cincinnati. So, I mean, inherently you're point. going to get more yards. And you're going to get more plays on your defense yeah, because yeah. of how you play on offense. And, and that's where, like – the defensive-minded head coaches like the the Kirby Smarts, the Nick Sabans, the Bo Pelinis, they didn't like this kind of offense because it's impossible to have great defensive stats mm-hmm. when your offense is trying to run 80 to 100 plays. Which yeah. is interesting. I don't necessarily – Tom Allen doesn't strike me as that kind of – Well, he's a defensive coordinator. Yeah, guy. I mean, as a defensive coach that he would want that style of offense. Good point. But I knew they, they did a whole overhaul offensively this offseason, and they – Locked everything up, so there was like hardly any idea of what they were going to look like going into the season from from the outside well, the program. Their former OC was DeBoer, who's now the Washington head coach, who was at Fresno State before. He's doing okay, and that was the guy that came into Lincoln, and I believe it was nineteen, and you know when they, they beat Nebraska, right. I mean, they, they, so they were really really good on offense. And Allen's got a defensive background, so. Interesting matchup. We're going to delve more into the offensive side of things, what we expect to see. We heard from Mark Whipple. We heard from one player this week on offense, Brody Belt, so we'll slice and dice what we learned from Whipple and Brody Belt next and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, I believe change is inevitable, you know, in programs. Um, You know, you don't want to see this much change in a program in such short time, but, you know, sometimes it's for the better. Change can also be a good thing, and I think Mickey taking over um, is a good thing for our program. I think he'll lead us in the right direction. Change is, it can be brutal sometimes. You know, I've seen a lot of different position coaches, a lot of switch-ups, but, you know, if you find the right guy, things will will work out for you. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sippel, Nebraska, Indiana, 630 on the BTN, if you are not going to go into Memorial Stadium, I've got the place to go. Check out Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. It is the premier sports bar in all of Lincoln. I was there Saturday night. I did watch the Adrian Martinez run there, among uh, many other games there um, that evening. 
Uh, ran into Aaron Davis, by the way, Steve Sipple. Um, had some wings and a beer with Aaron Davis and at Tanner's. And, of the ticket. Yeah, of the ticket. Former, former Husker, Husker player. And, great guy. Um, but get on in there. I was in there Wednesday as well. We did a show with the ticket in there. Um, great place to watch games. Awesome wings, burgers, sandwiches, drinks, plenty of beers on tap. If you want a nicer meal, try their neighbor next door, Tavern 180 as well. But get on into Tanner's 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Let's talk offensive storylines. You know, you look at this week, guys. I think the question for me is how does Nebraska build a game plan that complements their offensive line issues and also maybe their questions on defense? Oh, yeah, that helps them overcome their offensive line issues. But, but also chew clock and help the defense. Run it. I mean, you got, a, you got one of the best running backs in the Big Ten and Anthony Grant. And I think Gabe Irvin will show to be – I don't know if he'll be as good as A.J. Allen, but I don't think it'll be too much of a difference. I thought you saw that against Oklahoma a little yeah, bit. If he, he runs like that, they'll be just fine. Right. Yeah, Irvin ran seven times for 60 yards against Leading Oklahoma. Leading rusher. Yeah, seven times for 60 yards against Oklahoma. And he is – I mean, you saw him, how he popped off the ground. I mean, he's really intent. I mean, he's a – you talked to him this summer. Yeah, I he, talked to him this summer, and he was – I mean, this is, this is a – and he had – by the way, he handled this whole situation really well. Yeah. Because he got – you know what? He got beat out. And he wasn't – Robin, you know, we talked to those guys this summer. He wasn't expecting to get beat out. He was pushing for the starting job. And yeah. then all of a sudden he's not even – not the one, not the two. And he's maybe the three, but he's hardly even getting in the game. Well, he wasn't even the three at, at Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah, it was Yant. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, he uh, – his patience was, I'm sure, very tested during that process, but it paid off to where – uh, albeit under less than ideal circumstances with an injury, but he's got his chance now to, you know, be a, a legitimate factor in this offense. And again, uh, I think he he showed a lot about what he's about with the way he ran in that Oklahoma game, just with the fire and the um, you know, the almost anger that he ran with. Where, like you said, he he had something to prove, and mm-hmm. I think that's going to continue as his opportunities increase. Hey, listen, those two guys are critical in this game what about Ramir Johnson could he somehow yeah, find himself sure. back in this thing absolutely no doubt about it I, I I think you know injuries happen at that position everybody moves up a rung now and he and he moved up I bet you see him and you know what his speed can be difference making speed but, but so can Gabe Irvin's who was it it was Marcus Buford who told us this summer that it's very close in terms of just pure speed between Ramir and Gabe Irvin. Mm-hmm. He, he said it was those Ramir two. Ramir was a track guy. Yeah, he said – he said I said, so Ramir's the fastest. And Buford said, ah, he goes, Gabe Irvin's right with him. So both of those guys – I mean, Irvin's a bigger dude, 6'1", 215, but he's got speed like Ramir Johnson. It'll be interesting. Um, the offensive line thing, though, Kevin Williams had ankle surgery – and we know Teddy Prohaska is out for the year. Nuredin Nuelladin is out for the season with his suspension. So I mean, they're they're down. Did I? Did Nuredin Nuwili. Yeah, I I, I I kind of uh, just. It's <laughs> okay. Messed that one. We knew up. what you meant. Nuri Nuweli. <laughs> there you um, go. There you go. I tried to. I, I always say Nuri. The the Nuredin part yeah. like really gets me off. Nuredin <laughs> gets, gets me off the track there. But um, those those guys are out. So. Yeah. You know, Ethan Piper gets another chance. He had been a starter before. But, man, that situation at right tackle. I mean, the play there has been historically bad with what mm-hmm. they've gotten this year. And it doesn't seem like there's really any options unless Hunter Anthony just all of a sudden 
emerges and we haven't seen him or Brant Banks, but are they just stuck with what they have right now in these tackle spots? I mean, the coaches see the same film. They watch the same game that everybody else watches and they see the same cut-ups of I don't want, we'll call him out Bryce Benhart, who's been their number one right tackle all year. Turner Corcoran wasn't any better in his move back to left tackle. Um, the the film showed it. The pro football focus grades showed it with how poorly they graded out. Uh, so that's kind of why the offensive line, I mean, it was going into the season, but it's even more so now about the discussion about what the most critical aspect for Nebraska's offense is. It doesn't matter who's rotating at running back. It doesn't matter which receivers get involved. It doesn't matter if they play Chubba Purdy more. If they cannot block and protect the mm-hmm. passer, they're going to have just as much issues as they've had all season long. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like they're anywhere close to solving that. In fact, they have more questions now than they did going into the season, where they're counting on guys you weren't even factoring into the rotation in some cases. Uh, and their top guys are been have been extremely underwhelming to say the least. So um, that's, that's where it starts. That, that group has to get better in, in, in to, to a large degree. You wonder what they're seeing. You wonder what they're seeing in practice. I, I, it, it does. They just must not have anybody to go to like Hunter Anthony though. You would think, how does he not get a chance? Could have, or well, in practice, he probably does. In Brant yeah. Banks. So you wonder how he yeah. holds up. Ezra yeah. Miller. You know, Brock Bando had played tackle. Could they say, we're going to put Brock Bando at right tackle and just start Henry Latoski at right guard? <laughs> I mean, there's things you can do, but we don't get to see practice. So it's really hard to know. But, you know, for that to be the best option with no other what appears to be plan Bs, it's fascinating. Yeah, the whole discussion is fascinating in the context of remember what Sean Becton said late in the spring. I always bring this up. When Sean Becton told us, you know, one thing we've done all spring is move the ball on the ground. And they said, and, you, you know, we, and again, we talked to guys this summer, and they said we moved the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. So I went into the season expecting them to move the line of scrimmage. Well, what was happening, they were, they were moving a suspect line of scrimmage. So when you have problems in your program, you, when you're not, when you don't have enough talent, it can be very misleading. Practice can be very misleading. And I and I thought Scott often had the wrong picture of his team. I, it didn't it, it didn't match a lot, a lot like when the season arrived, what we saw wouldn't match up with what he would tell us often. It seemed like he was reading the board wrong a lot of the time. And I think that's what happens. That's what happens. He got a false sense of his team. Yeah. And again, I mean, the things that we thought they were going to hang their hat on um, have been few and far between to where, again, we thought they were going to be able to run the ball better. We had these ideas of these receivers being, uh, in, in some cases, I mean, they're, they've had, their top guys have been good, good, but they haven't been the, the game changers. Like, you know, we, we're talking about Trey Palmer being like a thousand yard receiver. and um, He actually still could. But that, that being said, you know, who else has emerged well, well, in that group besides Marcus Washington? Nobody. But the one thing we didn't read wrong, there's two things at least. We didn't read the running backs wrong. That's a good room. We knew, I, I mean, I said all offseason, that's a good running back room. I, I don't think we read Casey wrong. I think he's better. He's better than we thought, I think. He, he's been, he's been what certainly good enough. Yeah. Casey's about what we thought. Maybe in some cases a little better. I thought against Northwestern there were times, well, but he's a little better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Okay, put it this way. If he went on the portal today, okay. now, after what he's done the first few games at Nebraska, I think he'd have a lot of people calling him. Mm-hmm. Do you? Because the questions of the thumb injury are gone. Oh, yeah. 
And I think that's what and people would see the line problems on film and they would see the throws. He, I mean, the play he made in Ireland. Holy cow. I mean, that was unbelievable. Which that, play? The, the touchdown. The scramble. Or the, the, scramble. The not, it was not the touchdown, but it was like a scramble throw to Isaiah. Yeah. Guys, Garcia Castaneda. Might have been his last catch, by the way. Now, where's he been? <laughs> I don't know. He's even getting on the field. That's the, that's the issue. Isn't that strange? I mean, he was, he was their leading receiver yardage-wise in, in Ireland. And then we talked to him in Ireland after yeah. that game. Yeah. He disappeared. Had a, couple, had a couple drops and has fumbled a couple times. That might explain it right there. That and, you know, I mean, going to the fall camp where he missed a bunch of time, you know, coming back off of that, that injury. Uh, so he missed a lot missed of spring. critical reps, missed all spring. Uh, and then I'll never forget when Casey Thompson saw about that touchdown pass that he threw to him in Ireland. He didn't even know it was Castaneda. Oh, the so first it was, one. It was one of those where, like, yeah. he didn't even know he was throwing it to him. So Yeah, he may, thought it was Elante Brown. Maybe our perception of where he fit into this after Ireland was a little skewed just because of some circumstances. He still put up big numbers in New Mexico State, though. Like, I mean, that's Division One football. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he he's a proven guy. I, I think he is one of their four best, five best receivers. Yeah, it's, I do. It's, uh, it's fast. I mean, Volkolek, too, guys. Keep your eyes on how he looks with another week because I don't think he was – I think he was just more of a decoy against Oklahoma. Can he be more of a threat this week? Mm, good question. He had a week. I wonder what they did with him last week. Probably didn't practice him that much. Yeah, I mean, right. I, don't, I don't think they did much of anything last week. I mean, yeah, it didn't t- sound like took it. three days off. So uh, I think a lot of it was more self scout. Yeah, and you know that's one of the things that uh, oh, I think it was Mark Whipple said uh, on Wednesday was that they had a lot more opportunity to have just one on one sit down meetings with guys. So I think maybe that was uh, the emphasis during the buy as opposed to a lot of hardcore on field work. All right, let's delve into defensive discussion next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, you know, just you know, I said it, it, it felt there was a, a, a chance maybe to hear a, a different, uh, a different voice and a different look for us in that spot to try to get a little bit of momentum back for us. So it wasn't a real long conversation. Really asked me if I was uh, capable to do that, if I was willing to do that, and I said absolutely. And so that was about all there was the conversation. Really, it wasn't a real in-depth thing of you know, tell me about this. How are you going to run this? Tell me about your third down package. Those things. So we've had to work, you know, through some things right there. So. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, Nebraska getting ready to play Indiana, 630 Big Ten mm-hmm. Network. And that was interim defensive coordinator Bill Bush as he gets ready to take the reins. And it will be interesting to see, just, will he be up top? Did anyone get that out of him on Wednesday, if he's going to be on the, on the press box or the sidelines? Once again, you raise a question we don't know. Um, I, well, I, mean, I don't know. That's a great I question. I wasn't at the press gathering, so I didn't know if that yeah. was asked. No, it was not asked. It, it should have been. I, my guess is he'll be on the field. Now, Shenander was in the box, but Shenander, Shenander was on, in the box. He's the only full-time 10 guy that was in the box for Nebraska. Right. That's I, strange. Bill strikes me as an on-the-field guy. On the field, I'd be. Ah, that's a great question. I'll find out. I'll find out. Yeah, I mean, we'll get Mickey. Yeah, you got Mickey tomorrow. That'll be a good. 
on those w- Thursdays when it's hard to have good questions, that will be uh, what, how will how will the staff be divvied up? It'll be a good question to make you leading into the game. But um, you heard you heard Bill Bush talk about simplifying things and doing this and that. Uh, some potential new personnel. I I think that's kind of much made out of nothing. Like we're, we're we're hyping up this Omar Brown on the field. Like we're talking about Mike Brown and Ralph Brown here, but yeah. we're talking about a guy that's going to maybe get 20, 30 snaps as a nickel. Ooh, he get that? I'm, I'm, that's generous, right? Yeah. How many? I mean, how? I mean, the, we get twenty snaps. That was about what the number two nickel, whether it was Gifford or Klarovic, depending on the matchup, was getting. Okay. Previously. One, if, if Indiana runs eighty or more snaps, yeah, yeah. I think that's, okay. That's that's within the realm. Okay. But is that something? Is that what we're talking about here? I mean. Omar Brown. I mean, are we going to really see Malcolm Hartstug, yeah, Phelan Sanford, maybe? Jalen Gold going to get up there and all of a sudden play 30 snaps? I don't know. You might see some Deshaun Singleton. Mm-hmm. Braxton Clark. Deshaun maybe. Singleton's interesting to me because he was rotating with the ones as far back as the summer. He played spring. a lot against Oklahoma. Oh, he did? Yes, okay. he did. Okay, so you might see some Deshaun Singleton, the big safety from Hutch. Well, it's it's hard to bench like Miles Farmer and Buford because I feel like there was a lot of investment in those guys, and and you know that that's what you're talking about. There's still ones. You know, would you bench Miles Farmer for a guy? Oh, he's still number one. Yeah, they can still start, but you can also rotate more than they have been. Which for the first few games, they hardly rotated at all at safety. So I mean, that if you look at any position on defense, safety in particular. Uh, along with Quentin Newsom, uh, that's Fisher's. Wait a second, go ahead. Those are the ones that haven't been had hardly any rotation whatsoever. Okay. Those three spots in the second. Fisher's area. Everybody rotated. else has had at least some some level of consistent rotation okay. on the defense, or really at every single spot. But uh, safety is the one. Like if you want to look at maybe a notable change, that that's where I would look. Like DiCaprio Boodle played arguably as many snaps as any player at Nebraska ever has because. He was a four-year starting corner. Mm-hmm. He's getting seven hundred a season, and he never came off the field. Travis Fisher never really rotates guys out, and I think secondary is one where you can get away with that. Yeah, it might change a little bit with Bill with Bill now coaching, and Bill's, you know, his specialty is the secondary. Mm-hmm. I mean, Safeties in particular. Yeah, so it might look a little different. It might look look a little different, and in. In terms of how they rotate, I mean, it might. And one thing to keep in mind with the like freshmen, like a Jaden Gould or, or Malcolm Hartzog, whatever, is they're not going to worry about the four game redshirt rule. <laughs> they're going to play the best guys if they're good enough. And you know, maybe down the road when they get to game four, then you kind of evaluate where you are in the season. But right now, that's not a factor. Yeah, you I think can't that, worry about 2026 yeah, right now. <laughs> this, this staff does not have the luxury of that. They're trying to win, trying to win now. So um, if it comes down to it, and one of these freshmen emerge as arguably one of their top one or two best players in position they're going to play them throughout the year it's tricky though i don't want to like if i'm in those guys issues the coaches that are trying to hang on to a job i'm not throwing a freshman out there and testing him against indiana Mm -hmm. cam camper I, i i mean i'll test him in practice but i'm not i'm not saying okay let's see what let's see what he can do Mm-hmm. And then he gives up a long touchdown, and you're yeah. you're down. Yeah, I, I I hope. I mean, those determinations largely are made during the week. I think. I mean, I'm not putting Malcolm Hartsock out there and say, "Let's see what he's got." You know, unless it's unless you're up by a lot. Can they or, or will, down by a lot? I guess. Can they or will they Excuse lock me. it up more? <laughs> will, will, will they lock it up more with physical coverage this week? Because I think when I go around and talk to Husker fans, that's always a complaint, how soft Nebraska plays on their cushions. Uh-huh. And why can't they get up there and, and play, you know, street fight, 
lock coverage with guys. Like Alfonso Dennard. Mm-hmm. Get ejected from games. Well, easy. Who was that a, a receiver from South Carolina? Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> that was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was unbelievable. That was a street fight. And those guys were both tough. <laughs> I mean, two NFL starters yeah, yeah. at that point. And, I mean, Dennard was the Big Ten corner of the year in 2011 mm-hmm. going against one of the best receivers in the SEC in that bowl game. But they don't play that way. Can can they do that? Is that against the, the – Yeah, I mean, I just wonder if that's a reflection <laughs> on what they feel they have in those corners. But I think just from an outside perspective, we just kind of assume that uh, those were going to be strengths. Uh, you know, all the praise we heard about Tommy Hill, we knew Quentin Newsom was about as established as any member of that secondary and uh, was kind of the, the face of that position group. And so it, in theory, I personally thought that that was something they could really with lean size. on. That's yeah. what I with, thought. With a perimeter, you know, aggressive <clears throat> defense to allow them to dial up some more blitzes and, and generate more of a pass rush. But instead, they've been playing this like umbrella of five to six yards off every play, and teams have been just – slicing and dicing them for the last four I mean, games. Remember when Bo was here and Haig and Gomes and those guys? I mean, you'd go out to Washington and play a great Washington team. Jake Locker, first throw of the game, Haig picks it off because mm-hmm. they're just stifled by the coverage of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Like, you just don't see that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's hope they make a mistake mm-hmm. versus trying to force the mistake. Oh, yeah. We're, the the, the drop-off is profound. Now, we, we have heard, though, that the secondary is the biggest issue. I, and I know, I know Vance Joseph. You wrote, I think you wrote Vance Joseph. Uh, you wrote in Tunnel Talk to Vance Joseph says the middle. Now line. Don't give away our whole playbook. You got to <laughs> promote the, Husker Online a little bit it's here. The inside linebackers and the secondary. I just say secondary. That's been their biggest issue, and that's why this Indiana game concerns me. Indiana can exploit you. I mean, their passing game is pretty. You good. mean ninety to hundred snaps? And they're gonna, doesn't worry you. I mean, yeah, yeah. it worries me and, big time. And they're going to throw it. They can run the ball. Too. That's the thing. Like, this isn't some like five wide run and gun offense. I mean, they can I dial like, it up and be physical. I like. I've watched him enough twice. I like Sean Shivers. Sean Shivers is. It's hard to say that. Sean Shivers. That, that's his name. <laughs> Sean Shivers. Um, you want me to say it one more time? Yeah. Sean Shivers. There you go. He's a good running back. He's little. He's five seven, one eighty six. But he's a typical Big Ten running back. He's tough. I mean, he's, he 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 hides behind those big linemen and squirts out of there, and he'll 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 take you on too. Well, Sean the, Shivers, and the way Indiana plays, <laughs> will the pass rush even have a chance? So, how can you disrupt things Duh. when the quarterback's going to get rid yeah, of the Nebraska's ball? Yeah, Nebraska's vaunted pass rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all over him. I bet. Yep, Sorry, so, I got to calm down. Well, they got to figure out ways to disrupt the quarterback, even if it doesn't mean getting a sack. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I think the only way you can do that is by throwing off the timing of those short routes, not allow the three-step drop, three drops where that three times. You know, guys are you know getting the ball out before the pass rush even have a chance to disrupt things. So, I mean, I think there's ways that you can improve your pass rush by how you play in the secondary, but the problem is you can only play that way if you're confident in your defensive backs to be able to hold up and not get burned on uh, you know one-on-one press routes that can lead to you know turning seven to eight-yard gains into 70. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring in Husker Online's Abby Barmore. We'll take questions here in the mailbag. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Um, when 
he, he stepped into that role. He obviously had some different um, words for us, I would say, um, different uh, style of defense. We're going to change some things up. And then we did a few different things in practice. Um, obviously, the practice schedule is a little bit different um, with Coach Joseph and kind of what Bush wants um, from the defense. So that was, those were the main biggest things, I would say. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sipple. Abby Barmore joining us here for the mailbag. Before we get to that, make sure you check out HuskerOnline.com. We still have a great special going. Uh, join the tens of thousands that have already taken advantage of it. $10 gets you all of the great content on Husker Online and the On3 Sports Network for an entire year. You get Steve Sipple. You get Robin Washett. You get my stuff. You get Abby's stuff. You get Brian's. Let me tell you, that is a great deal. I just got my bill to renew my print subscription to a newspaper. Not yep. $10, mm. a lot more. Mm. Just a bit. <laughs> Just a bit more. Um, but you're going to get all that great content. Try out on three for the year. Yeah. Uh, join the 10,000-plus members that we've already had. Take advantage of it at HuskerOnline.com. But, Abby, mailbag time, what do you have to lead us off? The sellout streak is going to remain intact against Indiana, but is that going to be a legitimate concern for the rest of the home games this year? I, I don't think so. Um I think Wisconsin and Minnesota will travel enough fans here anyway. They'll be fine for those games. Um, Illinois is the next home game in a month, um, basically four weeks from Saturday. Now, that's, that's, that could be a tricky one. And Illinois doesn't – I mean, when Nebraska played there in week zero, it was like startling how empty that stadium was in Champaign. So you know they're not going to travel a lot here <coughs> for that game. But I think they'll get it. I really do. Well, a lot it's going to factor in with how these next few games go. I mean, if they look like Oklahoma – that's going to be a hard sell. I mean, I know people want to cling to that record as much as possible and keep it going, but, I mean, if they're getting blown out and it's ugly and all the hope and optimism about anything that they're doing right now is gone, uh, that could be a, a long November uh, when they get to that point. Yeah, you know, you Rob, you covered it the other night when Trev was on statewide radio, Trev Alberts, the AD, and he did say something really interesting, and that was he shared that vignette about how fans – call holly adam and literally say what do we need mm -hmm. what, what do we need to buy that's why i think sean's right because if they're a thousand short there there's enough fans that will make sure that those tickets get bought right mm -hmm. and that's now that starts the discussion of is it really a legitimate sellout well and the elephant in the room is the stadium during the miami game in 2014 <clears throat> was announced at like almost ninety two thousand. Now they're announcing it at eighty six to eighty seven thousand. So they have eliminated about four to five thousand seats in the stadium since the peak of the Pelini era when Miami came. Ooh, in what there. a night that was! Yeah. So I mean, I know that it's it's really all kind of subjective how you feel about the sellout streak. It means a lot more to some people than it does to others, and I think it's almost a generational thing where your older fans or you know, guys that are my age that were around for uh, you know the, the heydays, it, 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 it's a special link to the past. Whereas the other younger generation, the Abbeys of the world, they weren't around for that. And so you know that, that necessarily doesn't have that same connection that it might for, for us old folks. Yeah, don't get Sean started on this. <laughs> the young people don't respect it. Ooh, there it was, there it was. Gee, <laughs> Sean. What do you got, Abby? The pass rush was pegged to be the strength of not only Nebraska's defense, but the whole team. And now it's one of the worst in the Big Ten. What happened? Oh, God, there's a question. I'll tell you what happened. First and second down. When, no, that's a big part of when it. You, when you don't do well on those downs, 
as Eric Chenander yeah. said, you got to earn the right to rush a pass. He said that about every week when he was asked about it too. Is the fact that they're not stopping anybody on first down and everything's a second and one or a second and three, uh, you can't tee off and pin your ears like you could on a, you know, second and eleven or third and ten. You know those types of plays. That said, when they've had opportunities, yeah, they haven't made anything close. They're to They're not play. getting home. They're guys aren't winning one on one battles. Your your best guys, your captain, your marquee transfer, mm-hmm. uh, your six year senior captain. They're not making plays. There's another element to this that I talked to. A, I don't, we don't need to get into who, but I talked to a, a, a former defensive coach who said something today. I just asked him, what What did you see when you watched Nebraska? What was the problem with defense? He, there was a few things he said that were interesting. One was he said that the blitz package is really vanilla, really predictable, kind of just – and you know what? After he said it, I was like, you know what? Now that you mention it, whenever they blitzed, it didn't seem like it was getting home – it seemed like they were picked up pretty easy. Easily. Yeah. And he said that there's a reason for that. Very vanilla blitz package. Predictable. And think about him his first year when JoJo Dolman came off the edge and blindsided um, the Ohio State quarterback in that game mm-hmm. and caused a game-changing fumble that Nebraska almost won the well, game. Well, there's a guy that could get home. And that and that was an isolated example, too, Sean. But he, just saying, came, he just came free on that. We don't see those type no, of don't. disguise. Like, even last year's Northwestern game, he had that disguise. Like, he came in on the edge, and, mm-hmm. and the quarterback didn't see him coming. Like, when, where is that? Yeah, and I think a lot of it is just with. Uh, oh, I'll tell you what it is. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, the, the, for one, their first and second down issues, like Sean said, that's that's as much of a thing as anything. Two, it's your playmakers aren't making plays, and then three, the way that they're defending, they are almost so intent on preventing the big play that I think it dialed back their aggressiveness in a lot of those. Where where when they do blitz, it's just these kind of standard bare bones It's not disguised well. That, that, that don't do anything to take, well, take an element of surprise. Exactly. Okay, I think that there's one other thing. Okay, the fact that it's, that staff's fifth year in some ways is good, right? They're together. There's not a lot of questions they have. They're just tweaking. But the other side of that coin is other teams have seen them a lot. And they've adjusted to Nebraska. They know exactly what Nebraska's doing in a lot of cases. This is it's, the, it's a great coaching league. And what I what what the defensive coach told me is, he said they're very predictable what they do. So um, I think it all added up to the guy getting fired, Eric Chenander. Two more, Abby. What do you got? Okay. Next question: If you could if you could mm. pay them the same, are you hiring Mike Gundy or Dave mm. Aranda? Mike Gundy. Yeah. Why? Um, Whoa. Well, he's Whoa. only had one losing season as a head coach in his like near twenty year career. His track record's incredible. I went back and looked at like just his season by season. I mean, unbelievable. His bad year is seven wins. Like I don't know if he's he's had one losing season in like ever seventeen or eighteen years at Oklahoma State. Is that right? Yes. Now I did confirm his sister no longer lives in Lincoln. His Wait si- a second. He had a, he had a sister yeah. live in Lincoln. Yeah, his um, brother in law Craig Strickland, um, local insurance agent. Lived in Lincoln. Got to know Craig. His daughter was a great golfer at Lincoln Southwest. Um, married Mike Gundy's sister. Played with Mike Gundy. So Gundy had a sister that lived in Lincoln for a number of years. And they, they moved down to Oklahoma uh, because Kate Strickland is his daughter, who I think Robin's wife probably taught at Lincoln Southwest. Yeah, maybe. Um, is a golfer down there at, at uh, Oral Roberts. Aranda fits the athletic director's personality more than mm. Gundy does. Uh, Aranda, you're right. No, you're right on yeah. that. But this isn't Trev's hire. This is your hire. This is. Oh. Your. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Gundy. Yeah, definitely yeah. Gundy. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, like if I'm Trev, yeah, I'm, I'm hiring a Randa. Yeah. If it's me and I'm starting my video game dynasty, yeah. I'm going with <laughs> Mike Gundy. Yeah, and if, if the entertainment value would be significantly Absolutely. higher with Gundy. Absolutely. <laughs> it be, the back and forth at press conference would be, <laughs> would be a treat because be, he's would. probably not used to 50 reporters at stuff every day. So well, he'd have fun with that. All right, Abby, final question. Homecoming is this weekend. What is your favorite homecoming memory? Hmm. Oh, boy. Hmm. Well, I've got two I'll share. One from high, sc- high school. When I went to Omaha Gross. Sean was ready for this. Strangely <laughs> ready two. for this. Wow. We oh. used to. <laughs> it, it, they don't do it anymore because it's like totally illegal. But they would build a fire at Omaha Gross where if you were on the senior student council, you got out of class like the whole week. Mm-hmm. And people's dads would deliver pallets, wood pallets. And they would stack these pallets up in the air like <laughs> I mean, it was like 30, 40 feet high. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was like the size of an apartment building. Really? And you would stack it as high as you could. Where'd they do this? In a field by the school. Really? And it was so hot at this homecoming fire. Like, you couldn't be anywhere near it because, like, the heat that came off it. And we would practice, and it would still be burning for, like, three or four <laughs> days later. But after the Texas A&M That's incredible, by a- the way. accident, yeah. we had a fire department there at the deal, but they, mm-hmm. they stopped doing mm-hmm. it. But my other one was in college as a member of SAE. We, we, we built those floats on Greek Row. And yeah, sure. And to stay the night, we, the freshmen in my class, we stayed the night outside to guard the float. Mm-hmm. And a couple guys tried to mess with the float. And you chase them off. I had to chase them off. So that, that was my, my uh, college homecoming memory. Rob? Well, you guys did a lot cooler stuff uh, than we did at Lincoln High. I'll tell you that much. Uh, our homecomings were a little different. Uh, for whatever reason, so this is back, let's go late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, I think the first homecoming I went to, uh, Genuine Pony went on, and everybody just went nuts. So that when I think of homecoming dances, Abby, you know who Abby? I think of Genuine and the song Pony. Oh you, boy, you know who that is, Abby? I do not. <laughs> Look it up, YouTube. I don't. Abby, were you breaking it down on the dance floor at homecoming? Actually, our homecomings they had all the lights on in the gym. Is that and right? A bunch mm. of teachers, so there was there was basically no dancing. That's is that it. right? That, that's at East, right? Yeah, at East. Yeah, I went hmm. to East. making sure nobody had a flask on them. Yeah, wow. there it was. Homecomings were terrible, but prom, prom was great. All right, Sipple, you've had a <laughs> yeah, lot of just, time to think here. No, I mean, there's nothing. Just, just how I boogied. I mean, just, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, just the boogie. You weren't going. Uh, you weren't riding around Columbus, uh, horse I mean, horseback, or anything crazy. Jeez, Sean, <laughs> big deal. Just What's that supposed to mean? Just, you're uh, wild. You're a wild man. <laughs> yeah, old wild man is what you're getting at. No, I didn't. We didn't. I don't. I remember it. I mean, I remember my date and all that, but I don't remember too much about it. Oh, just the boogie. That tells me there's a story that you just don't want to tell. Last Nebraska football player to win homecoming king. Ooh. Hold on, I'll get this. It's in the 2000s. Okay. Dane Todd? Great. Troy Hassebrook. Troy Hassebrook. Okay, okay. I saw Troy Hassebrook. Lincoln High. I was in Kansas City at the Overland Park Marriott. Writing up Tunnel Talk at the Lobby Bar. Great hotel tradition, when by the this? way. When was this? Friday, Thursday night. Oh, my night. God. You're kidding. And Troy Hasselbrook comes and taps me on the shoulder. You're kidding yeah. me. It was down there for work, and it introduced him to my, my daughter, and uh, great guy. He, he was lived, down there for work? Yeah, he lives in Gretna, but he was down there for work. So No kidding. Troy, the big, pretty good big receiver. Yeah. He played. Yeah. Robin, you go to school with him? No, he was he was several years older than me. I went to his, uh, graduate with his younger brother, though. 
Really? So I Hasselbrook I, is several years older than like you? He's like my age. Yeah. You're, You're I'm not several. Several. I'm 42. Okay. Well, what year was he? I thought he played like to 01 or 02. Yeah, and so I was a freshman in 01. Okay. Okay. That's not several. Okay, it's more than two. <laughs> A few. It's, How about that? A few. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we come back, sensitive. Let's let's talk uh, Big Ten games. Okay. What we learned last week, we learned a lot, by the way, and what we're going to watch this week. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's pretty crazy because so much has gone on through the first four weeks of the season. It kind of feels like, holy cow, the season's been going on forever, but it hasn't. We're only a third of the way through. We still have, you know, what, like seven, eight games of Big Ten play. And um, so we're... 0-1 in Big Ten play, and the top team is 1-0. And so we have all, all our goals out there in front of us. That's one thing Coach Joseph has been uh, preaching. Um, I think we have to reset, and we have this mentality of wanting to go 1-0 each game. Because one thing is you can't get too focused on the big goal. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Final segment, Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. If you like what you're hearing, check out us at HuskerOnline.com. we got a great deal. $10 gets you a year. If you like listening to us as well, we do a post-game show, and uh, we are shooting for around midnight start time, so you can watch us live on YouTube after the game. We may or may not have a cold beverage in our hand by that point of the night. Um, if you miss us live, we put it on the podcast channel afterwards. And let me tell you, our post-game show has become one of our more popular things we've done in terms of viewership engagement. Um, so check that out as well. But, uh, guys, final segment, Big Ten Talk. I'm going to fire through what we learned last week in scores Penn State, 4-0, beat Central Michigan, 33-14. Michigan, and I called this, by the way, was tested by Maryland, 34-27. And there were a couple calls that went Michigan's way that helped them win that game. We've already hit on this one. Cincinnati gave Indiana their first loss of the season, 45-24. This might be one of the more impressive games of the, of the weekend. Minnesota, 34-7 over Michigan State. Iowa goes into Piscataway, where we'll be next Friday night. God. Nebraska plays at Rutgers. Well, Iowa wins there 27 to 10. Classic Iowa game. Um, they didn't have a hundred yard rusher. They had a quarterback with only 148 yards, but they still dominated and won that football game. Purdue, 28-26 winner over FAU. Miami of Ohio goes into Northwestern. And hands the Wildcats their third straight loss after the win over Nebraska, 17-14. to That comes after Northwestern lost to Southern Illinois. Ohio State wins 52-21 over Wisconsin. We also called that going into Columbus at night is just a death trap. No one, no one goes in there, especially undermanned Big Ten West teams. They just it's an it's an impossible feat for a Big Ten West team at night in there, in my opinion. And then Illinois won on Friday or Thursday night, thirty-one nothing over Chattanooga. I went through a lot of scores there. Simple, give me a couple takes on your end. Well, I mean the, the I mean the game that got everybody's attention is Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean Minnesota took apart. Michigan State. How about how about 169 yards for Minnesota in the first quarter to one yard? Favorite in the West State. or clear favorite in the Don't West? Don't cut me off. 
One. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm asking about Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah. I just want to go back. Michigan State had one yard in the first quarter. Six plays, one yard. Uh, yo, Minnesota. Yeah, clear, I mean, clear favorite clear, or favorite? Clear, clear. I, clear. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. I like giving you crap. Uh, hey, Sean, clear favorite. Wisconsin looks pedestrian. Um, yeah, they looked pedestrian. And we've talked about how pedestrian Iowa's looked. I mean, granted, they, they on, on had offense. their most impressive, I guess, overall performance uh, against Rutgers, but <laughs> you know they've they've got their issues as well. And so, from a complete package on both sides of the ball, special teams, all that, PJ Fleck has Oof. Minnesota rolling, and they are the clear favorite to go to Indianapolis, yeah, in my opinion. You know. I'm just going to tamp it down a little bit. I don't know, man. They, they played a terrible non-conference schedule, and they beat a Michigan State team that – oh, I was reading Grant. Sean, you know They didn't Grant. just beat them. They dominated. They dominated. Them. In East Lansing. But, but this is a bad Sparty team. I mean, Graham Couch wrote that their offensive line is, is terrible. Like, couldn't push a shopping cart bad. Um, they're banged up. They were banged up at corner and receiver – at least they were going into Washington, where they got hammered too. Anything? What do you besides that Minnesota Michigan State game, Robin? Anything jump to you? Yeah, I mean, there's a few ones, but for me, I'm I'm interested in Michigan because they're the number four team in the country and they're undefeated. But they didn't play. You talk about not playing anybody. That non-conference schedule was one of the worst, or maybe the ever. worst ever. <laughs> In the history of Power 5 football. So uh, they go, and yeah, they, they won the game, but it came down to you know needing an onside kick at the very end to, to hold off uh, that victory. So, I mean, that's that caught my attention to where maybe we need to kind of reevaluate where exactly Michigan stands in the national pecking order. Or reevaluate where we think Maryland stands. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Okay, Iowa or uh, Wisconsin though they do kind of have a get right schedule or at least a favorable draw here on out. Illinois and Madison this week, um, and then they have at Northwestern, at Michigan State. Ooh, yeah, that is get what right. And then they have Purdue in Madison. Mm-hmm. Then they have Maryland Ooh. in Madison. Ooh, that's get right. And then they they have well listen to the final three though at Iowa, at Nebraska, home against Minnesota. Yeah, that's rough. So it should, but be rough. they have. A one, two, three, four, five game stretch where they can maybe get it back together. What was the Iowa score in Piscataway? Twenty seven to ten. Okay, that's two now keep in mind Iowa scored two defensive touchdowns. I Iowa doing Iowa things. And Keegan Johnson remains out. Didn't play again. Mm-hmm. Um so his status up in the air. And that's one of their best players on offense. There's a one last thing I'd add. I, I have a theory about Nebraska and how, how they got why their confidence was shattered so badly after the Dublin game. Here's why. Northwestern's bad, okay? They're really bad. Okay, now, those guys watch film all, all, you know, all summer of Northwestern. And my guess is they watched it and thought – they knew Northwestern was bad. Those guys are smart. And then they lost to them. And, and I bet, like, this, what's happening in Northwestern isn't a surprise to Nebraska's players and coaches. Because they watched them so closely. I bet they thought, oh, I mean, this is... But Southern this, Illinois and Miami of Ohio. Three straight home losses since, since Ireland. You can I mean, live with Duke. I mean, I came out of that game in Ireland thinking Northwestern was pretty good up front on offense. Then they scored 14 points against Miami of Ohio? Yeah. Come on. They're, they're not very good, obviously. All right, guys. I want to go through this week's games now. 11 a.m. games. Illinois at Wisconsin. That's BTN. Michigan at Iowa in Iowa yeah, City. That's, I'm watching that that's one. the uh, big noon kickoff game. 
Ooh, hello. And yes, then the yes. ESPN2 game is Purdue at Minnesota. That's an 11 a.m. game as well. So you got three good 11 a.m. Big Ten games. Uh, let's move on now to the 2.30 slate. Michigan State at Maryland. That's a big game for Maryland. Absolutely. They, they need to kind of throttle ahead with that game. And Michigan State – you know, that's a big game for Mel Tucker because what happens if they get blown out by Maryland? Uh, Maryland's eight-and-a-half-point favorites. And then you've got Penn State hosting Northwestern. And that's this is the kind of game, though, where Northwestern could make it interesting. That That's Northwestern in a nutshell. It's in State College at 2.30, though, on ESPN. Rutgers at Ohio State. And I'll tell you, I'm in, watching this game or interested in this game. It's a BTN game. Uh, but for Nebraska – the timing of Rutgers is a good good, good timing for this game because they're going to play Ohio State after Iowa, and then Nebraska gets them on a short week. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's a good deal. And then obviously the only night game of the conference is Indiana at Nebraska, and this was Nebraska's homecoming game. They designated this as a night game. They wanted a night game. So uh, they got this night game by choice because of the homecoming designation this week. Yeah, and going back to that Northwestern game, that's a 25-and-a-half-point spread in favor of Penn State. Penn State. Mark my words. You're wrong, Sean. Penn, Penn State will run all over Northwestern. You saw the Northwestern defensive line ordinary. So you're, you're calling you're calling like a 20-, 30-point win? Route, route. Penn State. It is a 25-and-a-half-point yeah, line. Yeah, Penn State will jump them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, that Iowa-Michigan game, we just talked about it. What what do we think about Michigan? I think we're going to learn something there because that's going to be by far the best defense they have faced this season. By far. And, and will that offense be able to replicate the production of the uh, saps that they've been rolling over the last four yeah. weeks? It's a really good, intriguing weekend in a lot of respects. So I'm, I'm very excited to watch these Purdue, games. Minnesota. That's yeah. Is Minnesota for real? Like This is well, a game that if they are that team, the clear favorites, they win this game. Twelve and a half. Twelve a and a half point. Yeah. That's a big. That, is that on a road? You say it's at Minneapolis. Oh, they should win that. Yeah, that, yeah. That you're right, Rob. This is a statement if, week for them. Yeah, if they're real, they'll they'll take care of thirty two and eleven. Tanner Morgan's record as the starting quarterback. That's that's incredible. By the way, he's been playing since like two thousand seventeen. We're really fortunate that we get those three eleven a.m. games because we can watch those. You mean the night games? Oh yeah. The, no, the, oh, we, the, yeah, we, we, get we, a, we we get a watch. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. We get a watch. And yes. you can flip around. Yes. So good weekend of Saturday. Make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. And once again, check out our postgame show as uh, Robin, Steve, and I will give our thoughts following Nebraska, Indiana. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.